Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. <laughs> Hold the phone. Hey, brother. This is serious, serious. We got this, We are coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. The Garden State. Hi. We have a lot of New York sports to talk tonight. We're going to do it. And we're not going to get excited. We're not going to rile each other up. We're not going to get all up in arms about... Oh, wait. What's that? Yes, we are. Because we're frustrated. Incorporated. Is it worth getting excited over? The Mets, the Jets, the Yankees, the Knicks, terrible. Is it worth getting excited over? We're going to talk about that. So uh, so glad you joined us here on the podcast tonight. Episode number 201, New York Sports Talk. Nice. Hi. It is uh, Thursday night. It is October the 30th. It is All Hallows' Eve. Spooky scary. Actually, I think tomorrow's All Hallows' Eve, right? Because uh, Halloween is actually the eve of All Saints' Day, technically. That's not correct either. I'm being told by the co-host of the program that I have all of this wrong. So let's bring him in. Let's bring that guy in. Um, and, and again, welcome Kel. to the podcast. That's the guy I'm talking about. Yes, that's right. Mr. Hello, friends. is of royal lineage. He is of... Royal... Bloodline? Hi, Cal. Hi. Mr. Brian Calnivacapino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hey, buddy. Welcome to episode number uh, 201. How's your week going? Good. Good. How's uh, how's Halloween Central over there? It's... (laughs) It's what it's like. 
It's like when Superstorm Sandy hit. We've got, you know, radars and, and special reports being filed from the field. Right. We This is, I, I think, our fifth Halloween show, or show around Halloween. Right. And um, Or f- fourth or fifth. But um, it's getting crazier as the children are aging. Sure. And as none of my children are Benjamin Button, they are... Uh, <laughs> they're not going they're the not, other way. They're not going backwards. So... That I know of. We don't know. Casey, still very young. <laughs> could could be Benjamin Button. Um, boy, that movie. Is it over yet, that movie? Uh, no. I half, feel like, half over. I feel like I started watching it four and a half years ago. This is an intermission. That's correct. They should have put an intermission in that movie so I could have walked out. It was like, whoa. It was lengthy. No good? It was lengthy. All right. It was... Ponderous. You're like, let's go. Let's have him turn into the old man. Let's go. Or he starts out as the old man. Right. It goes. He's going the other he's way. Going the other way. He's gonna he be becomes, a baby. He becomes a baby. Um, are your kids all fired up? Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, it's it's on a Friday. Yeah. This is like the perfect storm of Halloween for the kids. Right. Falls on a Friday. They don't have to be in early because they have Saturday off. They have no homework the end of the week so school is is non-existent tomorrow it's just it's party time usa boo party time in the usa right party time usa not in the usa spooky scary yeah so they're having they're excited the uh, last minute costume changes at 9 30 tonight always fun is that is that right yeah so they you know this is what they're gonna be for two months right and two and a half hours before halloween actually starts they're changing it up. So two and a half hours before curtain. Right. They're changing they're, it up. They're they're changing who they want to be. Yeah. So that's I don't know if uh, that's acceptable. And and this costume, of course, was decided in like August. Oh yeah, no, we've I mean bought it in early September. Right. Right. <laughs> They've been wearing it every other day. Well, for that's the, last the month. problem. That's the problem. And now that you know, on the last minute, turns out, let's change it up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we lied to uh, Wesley. Lied to him. Wait, wait, hold on. You're not going to lie. But right. You I'm not going to lie about the lying. You're not going to lie to us. Correct. But you've lied to your... I'm lying to... That's correct. Okay, go on. <laughs> well... <laughs> my... <gasps> Ice-T just walked in and is about to question me. What do you mean you lied to your son? That's a terrible <laughs> iced tea. Um, Pookie's in trouble. Like Leon Spinks. That did sound like Leon Spinks. I like eggs. I like fried eggs. Um, what did you say to him? No, no. Uh, Teresa, very smartly, knowing that. So once we decided he was going to be, he decided he was going to be Captain America. Right? Okay. Very early on. Not there was, Batman. There was, was some strong, no, there was some strong Batman play in like August. Right. Then since and then mid- he heard about Affleck? Since mid September. <laughs> once he caught he caught a couple of things on uh Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. <laughs> he caught a couple of pictures on TMZ. He's like, I'm not look at the cod piece. I'm not doing this. Affleck, please. Um so he, he downshifted into Captain America. Okay. So we've known for quite some time. Then Teresa very smartly 
gave him five Captain America costume options. Pulled them up on the iPad on on Amazon. Says, take a look. Pick which one you want. Because there's a lot of different looks for Captain America now. Did she tell him to add them to his cart? That's correct. <laughs> yes. Just, you know, put them in your cart. She actually just uh, messaged them over to his iPad. Right. And um, he's got the one-click pay. Yeah. He's, he's, right. he's Amazon Prime. He's customer. Amazon Prime. So, and of course, he picked out the most basic Captain America costume. Like, they have ridiculously fancy ones or whatever. He goes pure basic. Old okay. school. Old school Captain America costume. That's classic, though. That's fine. Right. This was about three weeks ago. Right. So she orders it. It is Amazon Prime. Comes immediately. Yeah, too quick. She lies to the child. He doesn't answer the door, at least, right? He doesn't she, get the that's, mail? That's correct. You're lucky about that. <laughs> she tells him. So it comes like two days later. We intercept the package. Because the kid is like a beagle. Like if there's if he walks in the door and sees that there has been a package left, he automatically assumes it's for him. Nine times out of ten it is. And he's like a maniac until we open it, right? So we wisely intercept the package. Uh, we open it without him around and say, buddy, your shield came. But not the rest of the costume. It's not here yet. This was three weeks ago. So we give him the shield. That's all he needs, right? For now. So now he's going crazy with the shield. No, this kid's very bright. Yeah, I I was going to say. So this is every couple of days, and he's not subtle about it. This is not amateur hour with this kid. Yeah, like four days later at dinner, like, any word on that costume, guys? (laughs) Anything? You know, I had a tracking number, and I happened to check uh, UPS.com. Funny thing. It says that it arrived four days ago. Strangest thing. Um, He's just sitting there drinking his milk. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sits back in his chair. Takes a long swig of chocolate milk. <laughs> so uh, he'd check in every couple of days, and we're like, buddy, I don't. it's coming. It's coming. Got to hang in there. And so Teresa does not give it to him until Tuesday of this. Of, it of it this came. Week. It came. Oh, we, finally. We repackaged it, did the whole oh, thing. Geez. So the box. So we, 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 we created a paper trail. It was, and it, and it was, he tried it on today, you know, had a little uh, dress rehearsal. Yeah. He's happy with it. I, I walked in the door. He's striking the Captain America pose, full outfit. That's it. Mask on and everything. He gets very serious when he's playing a superhero. That's that's appropriate. <laughs> it's wild, Cal. It really is. Yeah, well. He's got like the stances down and like he just like he'll run up to you and like take a stance. Yeah. No words. Well, don't mess with him. And then he walks away. <laughs> and then, that's it. I have shown you superhero stance. Good day, sir. <laughs> don't you feel carry on with your life. <laughs> don't you feel safer? So, uh, yeah, he's he's ready to go. What was the uh, costume change, can we ask? Yeah, we were going to go, um, the oldest, Julia, was going to go with thing number two from the Dr. Seuss, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, turns out there is a pack of kids in the middle school 
that are all going as things one through ten. How can, how can this be? So she was a little little self-conscious about it. Sure. So she's now a cat. Any cat? She was just a cat with the bumblebee ears. Did, did not pick a particular cartoon cat. No, no. She's got a uh, a black sweatshirt, black leggings. She's wearing my black baseball socks. <laughs> Finally being put to good use again. Yeah, haven't haven't worn them in years. Right. And uh gonna put a little black makeup on the nose. And then go whiskers. And the whiskers. And the whiskers. Now you got a cat. And away you go. <laughs> and 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 the bumble <laughs> she as she's going through the as she's looking through the tail, looking through the package for the tail. Not a package. We have a Halloween bin of costumes right, of the bin, door. Right, right. Right. So every year you wear your costume, we're done with it. They never wear it again, goes into this bin. Right. Diana Ross comes by after a set change, <laughs> drops her <laughs> drops the dress in there. Yeah, it's 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 the costume yeah, it's, bin. It's wigs and right. dresses and all kinds of funny stuff. Right. So but of course I'm required to go down and get the entire bin, bring it up. So they could pick out the tail, the one tail in there. But of course. And then bring the bin back down. So right. she picked out the bumblebee ears too. That's what she's going with. The other one was going to be... She's a spitfire, that one. Yeah, she lives in her own world. She's, she's Everybody else just kind of drifts in and out of it. She's the Hunter Pence of the family. <laughs> it's free spirit. You know. Wild-eyed, crazy hair. She does have. She's got the Hunter Pence hair. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Very herky-jerky. Crazy curly hair. Right. She was going to be Apple White from something. I don't know exactly what. Some sort of from uh, the movie something. No, not the movie something. Some sort of fairy tale where there's heroes and villains, and Apple White is a hero. A lot of fairy tales tend to have those. I feel oh, like. As no, it was the like one. It's that it was, one. You know that one with the, it's with that the heroes one. and the villains. It's that one fairy tale with the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah, it's that one. And somebody learns a lesson. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's that one. She changed that up at the last minute. <laughs> this and now this was an elaborate gown with a blonde wig and <laughs> I sort of scepter. I picture Allison, too, like with a headset on, like a stage manager, just, you know, frantic and frenzied. Like, people, we are at, we are 10 minutes from curtain well, here. Yeah, we've got costume people coming in and out of the house. I don't right. even know who they are. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just told to feed them every now and then. Just give them, you know, get them a glass of water, make you're them like, a sandwich, like, and Al, stay out of the way. Al, why do you have that headset mic on? Who are you talking to? I don't even know. Who could you be talking to? Listen, we are at go time. Let's go. You've got a clipboard. Move, 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 Apple White, move. So, I, I, you know, she's not really going to be anything specific now. She went and found one of her old dance costumes from, a, from an old competition. Which is another bin. Which is in an, which, yes. A very expensive bin. That bin, Yeah. I can't. I'm on a car with that bin. I just looked over at it. I don't even want to. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you how much money is in that bin for one for one wear. That that's it for Each. one one night only. One yeah. Speaking of Diana Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um. So she's so she's 
she's dressed up in this in this old dance outfit, very very blue and sparkly. And the best way I can describe it is if she were to put fake fruit on her head, <laughs> she would look like Cher. She's going as Carmen Miranda. She could be like in, in a Las Vegas production. <laughs> this is the eight year old that's going to third grade tomorrow. <laughs> dressed like she's a showgirl at right. Bally's. She's going to look like uh, Charo. Right. <laughs> Circa 1968. Right. You should go, uh, you should have one of her friends go as like Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Orlando. Tony Orlando. <laughs> right. She's, she, she looks like she's on the strip Circa 75. That's what I'm, look, and I said to Alice and I said, she looks like she's working in Vegas. Right. She says, she looks cute. Let her, she's fine. All right. And put a sweatshirt on her and she'll be fine. Now, did Allison say that through the headset? Did she make you put the other headset on? No, she put she put her hand over the microphone on the headset. <laughs> she didn't want... She looks great. Right. Stop it. Right. You look... We're ready to go. You are a go. Hey, speaking of Halloween, you know who has kids? A, a lot of people. A lot of people. That I know of. They do. That's a, not a great intro. Spe- uh, specifically? Yes. Uh... Who have, culture PJ. Yeah, who have we not spoken to yet about this? Uh, some Someone with a lot of experience in this area, I would imagine. He's a child-rearing professional. I mean, there's a, there's a book being written on a daily basis by this guy. I, I'm not kidding. Actually, this is in all seriousness, Cal. He's writing a book? No. no. Oh. <laughs> he might be. Because I I would read that book. I was just gonna say immediately. I need help. When when his kids are all uh, out of the house and and grown up, and they're getting there, he should seriously write a book. If PJ ever wrote a book about child rearing, I would absolutely buy it. He has given me some of the best advice since the day I told him that Teresa was pregnant with Wesley. Wow. He really has. He's, he's, uh, that's quite an intro, but I, I would really read this book, Datitudes. I feel like we should commission this. I feel like we should commit. I totally agree with you. Can I we, think, can we yeah. get an advance? I, don't, I think he has no choice now but to start writing that book. I agree. Let's bring him in. Where is he? Where is, where is this? Yeah. In the middle of your, uh, your praise of his parenting skills. Yeah, that, that was so nice of you to say. Just the truth, kid. Just the truth, I mean. Great message. That is some guitar solo. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I wonder who's playing drums there. Is that Carmen Apache? Is that, who's on the drums there? Because that shreds. That is, that Greg, is, is that Greg Bissonette? Is it Greg Bissonette? That is free-swearing Brian Stevens. That's right. Yes. He broke on friend. the show. He swears like a sailor. Uh, <laughs> That's what, hey, Pete. The swearing sailor. <laughs> Who's never been in the Navy, okay? Hey, hey. That would have been a good costume. What, in the Navy? The swearing sailor. In the Navy. The Swaler? Swaler. Don't don't sing that again. Woof. Listen, that was one of my grandmother's favorite albums. 
Village People, Live and Sleazy. The double live album. Your grandmother. My grandmother. God rest her soul. <laughs> you know, you're not contractu- contractually obligated to say that, by the way. I know, but if I don't say it, I, I get choked up. You get you get it choked up. I Live get choked up. That was the name of the album. That's correct. The album was called Live and Sleazy. Now we, she didn't know that when she asked for it, but she said, "I love the Village People. They have they have such great energy." And she loved um, she loved in the Navy. Uh, and then she also liked Macho Man. So we went out and. Um, the studio songs were on separate albums, but if you got the live album, they were all on the one album. So we got her live and sleazy. And she, Grandma. She she played it. And, you know, do yourself a treat one day and go look at the cover art for live yeah. and sleazy. Yeah. It's just what you think. It's exactly what you'd expect. Oh, you've seen it, Steve. From the village. Yes, I have. My oh, mom, uh, my mom, yeah, my mom liked the Village People quite a bit, and she had, I believe, she had that album as well. And it had YMCA, Macho Man, and In the Navy all on the same side of the record. Yeah, so you could all just, you wanted was the hits. Sure. You just put on side two and leave it on. Yeah, and, and if they were, and if you you really wanted to question your sexuality at that point, or if you were really just wonder or curious in any way, shape, or form as like an 11-year-old and your mom is yeah. blaring in the Navy followed by YMCA followed by Macho Man. You had that backwards. That's... <laughs> it went Macho Man in the Navy, YMCA. Yeah, my, my bad, my bad. I've I've actually blocked out that entire portion of my life, so um, I've tried not to, not to go back there. The first song is called Fire Island. Of course. Course well, is. of course it is. <laughs> Your grandmother was probably a big fan of, of that one, too. They have such spirit. Hot cop. Okay. That's, this is this show's taking a turn. I don't care for this. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that my grandma was a fan. And, I love that. In the Navy, was, we can sail the seven seas. In the, I know it all. She was one of... Probably the only people out there who had the Eddie Mecca album. We talked about Eddie Mecca. <laughs> yes, sure. Numerous times, Carmine. She Ragusa. was the one, right? She was the one who had she, the Carmine Ragusa album. She had a she had an Eddie Mecca record of some sort. That one we didn't listen to together. But when I would go over there, she'd put on the Village People for me. Was she Eddie Mecca's grandmother as well? Because I feel like nah. that's like the that's like the only three people that would have that album, like his grandmother, his oh, aunt Tilly, and his and his his aunt Carmine, who was a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And it may not. It, now that I think about it, it may not have been an Eddie Mecca album. It may have been an album where he just happened to be on it. Right. He had and a song. She was on excited it. because she liked him so much from Laverne and Shirley, the and he would come on Mike Douglas. He would sing on Mike Douglas, and it was a big thing. How nice, a nice Italian boy. Sure. He wasn't Italian. No. Nope. She didn't know that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing we did. There was a lot, of things, a lot of things about these celebrities that were not told to your grandmother about these artists. That's right. 
Yeah. What are you talking about? What What are you saying about the village people? Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. Nothing, Grandma. Nothing. All right, we got to get to sports, like Peach, but I I want to hear the uh, the costumes for the children quickly. Uh, the costumes. And then we and then we can we can rebuilt. do uh, we can do. I'm sorry, we can do an all Halloween uh, fun load. We'll do that later. Okay. Uh, costumes have been rebuilt three times because the kids have been wearing them for two weeks. See? Numerous parties. You gotta lie, baby. They uh, yeah. When they're this they, age, they come you can't apart. get away with it. Oh, you can lie to them till they're eighteen, nineteen years old. Yeah, but I won't uh, feel Dan- good about myself. Dan- oh, I feel Daniel great. Daniel is a uh, fully beweaponed <laughs> white ninja, which is kind of scary white. because he's a black belt. He, yeah, he's a little dangerous. He can actually and, be a legitimate uh, ninja. I feel like my, my daughter is a five foot six Olaf the Snowman from Frozen. With a homemade costume, courtesy of my wife, who's a genius. <laughs> now, I I have one question. Does Danny... Is Dan wearing, like, the mask, the white ninja with the mask and, like, just the eyes showing? Yep. Hood, mask. Right. Completely white outfit, then weapons belt, and then another weapons belt, and then maybe more weapons if he can stick them somewhere. <laughs> I have Just a weapons, special, weapons, weapons. I have a request. Sure. If when he takes off that that you know the hood and the mask and everything, the ninja mask and stuff, is there any way we could get him to wear a Steven Seagal ponytail? So he <laughs> takes it all off. He takes off that hood and mask, and he's Seagal. He won't well, know. Then, then. <laughs> No, no, no. I need Seagal. I cannot he have Van I'll negotiate. I'll see what we can get. See if you can do it. He'll, ne- he'll never know it. Just tell him, like, oh, Dan, it'd be really fun if you put a ponytail on here. Just to have some fun with it. It's Halloween. It's already threadbare. I mean, it's, it, is, it is falling apart. They make them <laughs> so well at Spirit Halloween. Wow, plug. There goes that sponsorship. Good job. <laughs> It's just you know, it's 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 meant to be worn once, maybe one and a half times, and he's already worn it thirty. Right. It's also probably not meant to, you know, actually perform black belt type ninja things in, which right. Dan's he probably doing. Tumbles. Yes, he does all that. Yes. We should mention. It's probably a good idea to mention at this point that he is actually a black belt in Taekwondo. Correct. Uh yes. Yes, going for his yeah. second degree in about a year. He's <laughs> a first degree black belt. I can't even, you know, oh, I can't I even, even wear a black belt. I can't even get the suit. toaster to work. And what do I know? <laughs> it's one of my favorite Woody Allen lines. I can't remember which movie it is. There, maybe it's Radio Days. I don't know, but <laughs> you know, what do I know from Nazis? I can't even get the toaster to work. <laughs> this this He's got his is, stuff together. Yeah, I don't even own a black belt. I, um, all right, well, Peej, we'll come back for the uh, for the fun load. We we do actually have it's we're twenty six minutes in and we have a lot of sports to talk about. So you we'll come back. Do what you do best, which is you do you. You, do, I hate that saying. You do you. You do you. I don't. Who's doing that? I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do me. I'm a. Love Ama. <laughs> I do love Ama. 
I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. All right, um, let's uh, let's talk about the sports. Whoop. There it is. Time for the main course, everybody. There's a lot on the table here. As the uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> is that? Did we did we commission the guy from Rage Against the Machine? What's his name? Uh, Tom Morello. Tom Morello. That that Tom Morello riff is that Tom Morello. Yeah. That is very Tom Morello. And then we should be screaming really loud. It's about sports, so you think it's important. <laughs> and then we'll whisper we're like, we're talking sports, so you think it's important. And now I'm whispering, so it must be important. The Jets are lousy, and I think it's important. That's uh, that's our Rage Against the Machine. That's for <laughs> <to> you. <laughs> and Rex is fired, and you think it's important. Um, let's. We, I, I also have. We have to play this. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Callan Sam Pete, number two hundred and one, is brought to you by Dummy, a new web series on YouTube. Go to youtube.com. That's easy, and search Dummy the web series. I'm sure you can do this. It stars as written and is written, and it is written and it is done, and is directed by Joe Dallow, a good friend of ours. So go check it out. It also stars Izzy Diaz. He's very funny in it as well. Two episodes in, third one is coming, so go to YouTube, search Dummy the Web Series, subscribe to the channel, and watch all the episodes. Episode three is coming. All right, time for Ready to Unload with Callan Sampy. Which we're actually already in. That was especially condescending tonight. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Go to YouTube, it's easy, I'm sure you could do it. Well, here's even, why. Even you it, it, go to here's, YouTube. Here's why, as I'm doing the promo, the promo... The promo. It's the promo. It's the promo. That's James Brown saying right. Pro Bowl. Right. On Madden. Right. Every time it's you've had a long season, you've really worked hard, it's time for the Pro Bowl. I don't know why he said it that way, but he did on Madden. Um, when I'm doing the promo and I'm saying go to YouTube.com, like, who doesn't know YouTube? <laughs> That's so stupid. That's all that's going through my head there. Type the following in. HTTP <laughs> colon backslash backslash. Now, there's this new website. You may have heard of it. You may not have. It's called, I believe it's called YouTube. You, YouTube. But it's, it's spelled out. You. It's spelled out. It's Y-O-U. It's not. Cal, we, have, we, we do seriously have a ton of sports to talk about. And here's how I want to sort of unpack this. Um, and, and in order to talk to you about. So I want to do the World Series first and Game 7 because uh, we were both watching it last night and texting back and forth. And You had watched a lot of the baseball playoffs. I had watched a little bit kind of quietly, tuning in a couple innings here, a couple innings there. Um, and I tuned in for all of Game 7 last night. Like I wanted to watch the whole thing, um, and, and, and so I did. I have a couple of thoughts on the game. The Royals are such an interesting team to me, Cal, because we talked about at the beginning of the playoffs, like, are they so supremely more talented than the Mets? And they also have a manager whose, you know, strategy gets called into question all the time in Ned Yost. Are they that much more talented? Why are they? Why were they able to cobble together 87 or 88 wins and, and, and make the playoffs and the Mets couldn't? Um, and so we had this great debate going, so I was really interested to see how they would react to a Game 7, great atmosphere in Kansas City, 
Everybody's on board. Everybody loves the story. Giants going for their third World Series in five years, right? So the stage is set. And this is a tense, interesting game. Interesting because neither starter made it more than three and a third innings, right? So neither starter got ten outs. Or actually, uh, uh, one guy got ten outs, the other guy got like eight outs. So the starters didn't factor into it. Madison Baumgartner, uh, Baumgartner is just waiting in the wings, right? They know they're going to use him at some point. He's been completely lights out. So you have all this you have this wonderful stage set. But I, w- I just want to talk about two things specifically. One was the bunt. The bunt. Yeah, the bunt. Oh, oh, I do want to say this. Let me say this too. Bright. Didn't you get the feeling watching that last – I haven't watched like a Game 7 of a World Series. There haven't been that many. Um, but in a long time, I love this. I love this. Like you feel like when a big play happens, you're watching something that's going to be remembered. You know? Like you're – like the, the double play that panic turned, which – is not the greatest play in the history of baseball. It doesn't have to get overdone well, that no, way. No, it is. It is. Get, please. No, no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't have to be overdone that way. But as you're watching that play happen, you're like, you oh, know, you know you're going to remember it. Yeah, and people are going to talk about it. And for it's going to be talked time. about. That's right. Right. And it could potentially affect the outcome Swing the of game. the entire series at that yeah. point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like, as you're watching game six of 86 – with the Mets, right? And you see the wild pitch. Bob Stanley throws the wild pitch. The tying run scores. You're like, wow, I just saw a moment that this is before the ball gets through Buckner's legs. Right. That you're like, oh, that's, that's, you, you're, things are being memorialized as you're watching them because of the stakes. That's right. And I love that. I love that. And there's, there's, even, I mean, it doesn't always have to be Game 7 either. There's potential throughout the entire World Series Absolutely. of that happening. But a Game 7, a pen, uh, you know, an ultimate game, the final game of the season, Right. there is going to be no Game 8. You know, well, it's, 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 it takes on a, uh, an epic sort of feel as you're watching it. Right. So if Kansas City winds up winning that game, mm-hmm. the Alex Gordon hit, would become one of those moments. Andy Chavez. That's when you right. watched Andy Chavez make that catch, absolutely, you knew. You th- now at the time we thought that that was going to swing the entire game, and it should have. And it should have, but you knew when you saw the catch that all right, yeah, this is one. Yeah, you know, my kids are going to see this. That's right, and also they're going to talk about it in baseball lore, right? Like you, you still hear about. Uh, uh, the umpire and uh, you know Don um, Denkinger, uh, Don Denkinger, with the Royals and the Cardinals back in '85. You still hear about that, right? You know these are seminal or Lonnie Smith uh, tagging up and not you know scoring. You still hear about these things, right? There's there are little small plays that you're like, oh my, God, that's right, that turned the game and maybe cost them the World Series. So this game had a lot of those last night. It had a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bunt, the decision by Ned Yost to bunt. As we were watching the game, Bry, 
you said it and I said it like, oh, man, you don't give Madison – I know it's been talked about to death, but you don't give uh, uh, Bumgarner an out there. He hadn't found – and one somebody pointed it out. He hadn't found his arm slot yet. He looked fatigued. First guy gets a base hit. He's down 2-0 to the next batter. You cannot bunt there. You never give him outs. Ever. Ever. And he was playing a National League game in an American League park. Well, the other thing about Bumgarner is that throughout the entire series, and really the playoffs, he was never in trouble. He was never on the ropes. He was in control every time he was on the mound. And yeah. now you had an opportunity that he, he might not have been. Yep. And you, and you let him off the hook. Yep. And once he you know, found his arm slot and sort of uh, uh, started being able to hit his spots, especially up in the zone, um, you know, it was all over but the shouting. I, I'm sorry. The bunt is a terrible play there. It's a ter- if Harold Reynolds says a bunt is a bad play, <laughs> it's a bad play. And you wonder if Bumgarner also knew he was being let off the hook, too. Like, if that settled him down a little Absolutely. bit. Like, wow, they just, they just gave me an out? All right, great, great. I'll take it. Yeah, awesome call, Cal. Because he seemed to, like, oh, all right, really? You you do know who I am. <laughs> well, don't mind if I do. Right. And then that was it. The other thing I really wanted to hone in on, very specifically, because it's a it's been a, a huge talking point today. It's been a great piece of conversation, and this is what I love about baseball. Other sports are like, or, or can have these moments, but... So Alex Gordon gets the base hit in the two outs in the ninth, down by a run, lines a single to center field. Um, who's the uh, uh, silver, the stat guy, right? The, the statistics guy. Nate Silver. Nate Silver had a great article today that one of my buddies sent me. Did you catch it? I I didn't catch it, but I saw his tweet basically saying it's a it's a moment that you have to take a shot no matter what. His the 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 gist of the article was statistically Gordon should have went should have been sent. What did he because, base that on? Because they had a thirty percent chance. Of he has a thirty percent chance of scoring there, and then he broke down Perez's chances of getting a hit against Bumgarner, and you know the chances of the shortstop making a good throw on the relay, and 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 it basically the statistical analysis was your chances were better of scoring, trying to score on the on the misplay than they were with Bumgarner pitching to Perez. Right, and it was and it was statistically laid out perfectly, and it was basically like a thirty percent to twenty five percent chance. Right, that's that's how he sort of broke it down. But what I found fascinating about this play is, and you, I said this to you yesterday. So Gordon, you know, hits a solid line drive single to center field. He doesn't bust it out of the box, but he doesn't jog. Right, he's running. He's just not running hard. I mean, he's not, you know, running hard like he's got a triple. Right. But he's he's also not loafing like he knows he has a base hit. And and I, I got to think, 98% of anybody in that spot that gets a hit is going to run the way that he ran to first. I totally agree. Right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to bust it because 
he might misplay it. Nobody's yeah. going to do that. Nobody. There's there's zero chance of that. You're absolutely right. So there's no need to kill Alex Gordon on that. And then also, even if he's busting it out of the box, Cal, so he gets thrown out by five feet instead of ten. Right. And he was dead to rights. If it was a good throw. It didn't need to be that good of a throw. It didn't need to be perfect. You're right. It didn't need to be that good of a throw. By I, I mean, if if it's a good throw, he's out by 10 feet. Easy. Yeah. I mean, Crawford had the ball in his glove as Gordon's touching third base. Right. But Gordon, Crawford was pretty far out in left field at that but point. But Gordon is trying to run the last 90 feet of an right. inside-the-park home run in the ninth inning of the 180th game he's playing in. Right. And he's 220 pounds, and he's built like a friggin' linebacker. So he was dead to rights. He it was. was. Yeah, it was, it, it was the right move to hold him up. But here's what I love. Let's say he goes. Let's say the third base coach sends him. Bumgarner's dealing. This is our best chance. Right? In a normal situation, two years ago, two years ago, Gordon, Gordon's out by five feet. Catcher has the ball. He's going to try to run him over. He's going to try to run him. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to barrel the catcher over and knock the ball loose. Well, guess what? He can't do that anymore. And we, how many times did we see this year, Cal, guys coming into, into home plate and not knowing what to do? Saw it at least five times with the Mets. Oh least. yeah, for sure. At but least five times. But what's 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 the best part of that entire situation? Right. The best part is the irony that the reason he can't barrel into the catcher is because the catcher Buster Posey got barreled into, and so they changed the rules. Right. So the guy, so the guy who got barreled over and got run, is the reason that he can't get run again. Right. On the last play of the you know of the World Series in Game Seven, and they enacted this dopey rule. I'm sorry, I think it is because it's so, so open to interpretation. It's just not clear cut. Does the catcher and the, you're talking to somebody who caught for 20 years and still does? Does does somebody? Do you have to give them the front of the plate if you receive the ball in time. You can block the plate. When can I block the plate? And then the base runner. Do I have to avoid contact? Do I have to slide to the outside? Is it okay if I make contact with him if he's standing in front of the plate? The rule is unbelievably ambiguous and open to interpretation. So what happens if he goes, he's out by five feet, he tries to avoid it, sort of hits him, Posey doesn't maybe give him the front of the plate. Now we got a review, baby. Now you got a stew. On the last play of the season. On the last of the play season. of the season to tie the game. Right. This is the Royals' whole season in the World Series Game 7. And you know if they tie the game, they're going to win that game. Maybe not right there, but that's Bumgarner's got to come out at that point. That's right. He's not going to pitch in the 10th inning. He's not. He can't. And once he's out, the Royals win that game. I totally agree. 
That's it's amazing. It's 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 such a compelling story when you it think really about was. it. It really was so cool to watch live too. It yeah. really was so cool to watch live. And and to go back to that other idea, it's being memorialized as I'm watching it. Right. So like the way they misplayed that ball, which was like dun, 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 dun. like Blanca was like, I don't want it. You get it. You pick it up. <laughs> Hot potato. <laughs> said that. I heard him say that. The Bad News Bears music starts playing. That's what it looked like. He looked like Kelly Bass. Umpires are bumping into each other for some reason. That was totally the Bad News Bears last play. And Kelly Gordon is Kelly Leak running around the bases. Uh and, and and as I'm watching this, I'm like, if this if they tie the game, I even texted it to you. I'm like, watch them tie the game on like a wild pitch. Yeah, they will be talking. It will become Blanco's blunder, you know, right. or some some like name for that play of Blanco turning a single into a triple with two outs in the ninth inning of Game Seven of the World Series. Blanco, no. <laughs> there you go. That's if we're working for the post. Something like that. Yes, I like Blanco's blunder. Blanco's blunder is good. You brought up a very good point. Blanco's boner, right? Sure. Well, they have a boner already, don't they? They have uh, Stabone. It's boner Stabone. Boner Stabone. Wasn't that Merkel? Fred Merkel. Merkel's boner. Yes. I think it was something like that. Yeah. Because he missed home plate. He missed home plate. Um, <laughs> Sylvester. What was? Do you remember what Boner Stabone's father's name was? Or his name? Boner's real name. Richard. He was Richard Stabone, right? And you know what yep. his father's name was? Was it Sylvester? It was Sylvester Stabone. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know how a major mainstream sitcom can get away with having a character named Richard Boner Stabone. Dick Boner Stabone. How did they get away with that? And wholesome show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know how they got away with that. Tracy Gold, Tracy Gold, thick, thick. When Alan you're Alan, thick. when you're Alan Thick, you call the shots. You get whatever you want. That's right. That's right, baby. Um, I wrote, were... the, I wrote the theme song for this. I will take you out. <laughs> the character's name is Boner. And what's his first name? Well, it's Richard. Well, it's Richard. <laughs> of course. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, well, it's boner. I want to go back to a point that you brought up last night, which was great, in that even more poetic with everything that was going on, it was Alex Gordon that yes. came up with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, and Kansas City franchise, which has floundered for years, Here was, he was the first guy in. He turned the lights on, Right. He's been there since 2004, 2005, whatever it was, and he's he's their franchise. And how perfect is it that he's the guy that comes up to save the season and almost does? Yep. Improbably, you brought that up last night. I thought that was a great point. It was it was cool. Thank you. It was super cool to see because whenever we've heard about the Royals rebuilding and they've been doing so for 20 years. The first guy that came up that was the, the next George Brett, no pressure, 
Um, was Alex <laughs> the best? They showed Brett leaping through a book. <laughs> it was like the seventh inning of a three-two game, and <clears throat> Tom Watson's in the stands. He can't even speak. Like he's like so tense. Paul Rudd went AOL like or AWOL. AWOL. He went on AOL. He went on AOL. <laughs> he was so stressed out. He went back in time. <laughs> I can't handle this anymore. To dial up. Fire up Prodigy. No, but like Paul Rudd is AWOL. Like he's nowhere to be found. He's probably under the stadium eating crackers quietly by himself, listening on a transistor radio. Like he can't even deal with people. And there's George Brett up in the press box, like reading uh, 40 Shades of Grey. Just like. (laughs) Steve Perry was there. Oh, Sherry. Yes, he was. How many times can we see Steve Perry with the eye black on? Yeah, well, I, that was fake eye black, too, wasn't it? Those were the stick-ons? That was the stick-ons. Yeah. I used to wear the stick-ons. Yeah? Well, I was playing I was playing baseball, see. You mean you weren't just a fan in, right. in the stands? That's right. At a game? And I was a catcher, and so if you wore eye black, the real stuff, uh, it would get all over the place. And I would look like the ultimate warrior by the end of the game. But that was eye black. He was wearing the adhesive black strips. Yeah, that's what I used to wear. I used to wear the, the black strips. Oh, you wouldn't? Oh, so oh, right, because you're saying if you wore the eye black, it would become a mess. Only because I was a catcher, right. Right. Okay. But, but again, let me emphasize. I was playing the game of baseball at a, at a reasonably high level. Sure. Now, if I showed up to a Steve Perry concert, in your catcher's gear, in a, in a, with a no, with a, should I show up with a microphone and you know? <laughs> That's right. That would be the analogy. That would be it. I show up with a mic, a mullet, and, uh, and a leather vest, and ill-fitting tight jeans, and a leather vest, and then, then, then we're even. Just start screaming that. Why doesn't he just scream that every time the camera shows him? He's thinking it. He is. I don't, I don't think you can't fool us, Steve Perry. I know you. you every time the camera goes on you. We're supposed to believe you're thinking about the Giants. Give it a give it a rest, Steve Perry. You think about Brandon Belt? Come on now. Come on. Every time that camera's on you, you're thinking, oh, Sherry. So Madison Baumgartner, where does he fit in in the animal? Baum, Baumgartner? I mean, they just could yeah. could can't. Has has a guy who has an, a zero point two five ERA in thirty nine World Series innings? Have you ever? Would you ever imagine his name to be butchered? It's the way unbelievable. Butchered nationwide. Yeah, it's it's I, almost as if the public is demanding he adds a T a, or a D because they just can't deal with it. They just can't say Garner, can't say Bumgarner. They can't. They cannot say it. It's just so odd to me. It's it's incredible. And these are like even Joe Buck last night. Like oh, this, the, guy's the, a, this guy's a, you know, Joe Buck. The guys that have, that have been talking about him incessantly for the last two weeks. You'd think at some point along the way they would realize, or maybe they'd be corrected. Hey, fellas, Garner. Garner, bum Garner. It's, not, it's actually it's, easier to say. 
Bum Garner. Like James Garner, but with a bum. Like James Bum Garner. James Bum Garner. Just think of Jimmy Garner. As I often do. I, where does he rank? I miss him, Cal. Who, James Garner? Very high. <laughs> Fantastic actor. Very underrated. <laughs> Give me your Mount Rushmore of Garners. <laughs> Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of Garners? What do you got? Got to go James first, obviously. Jimmy? He's the Washington. Right. He's the Washington. Did you, ever uh, get, did you ever get that one? Washington? Washington, yeah. Yeah, sure. Holy cow. When did they put the R in? Look, I don't mean to be the diction police here, but come on. How about former Philadelphia Eagles running back Charlie Garner? Would Charlie Garner. On your Mount Rushmore Charlie Garner is up there. He's up there. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, you just love Mount Rushmore. You're looking for any... We got we to gotta get PJ doing this later. I can't get enough of that. We got Mount get Rushmore of Halloween costumes. Yeah, we'll do it. That's what we'll do. For Halloween candy. Halloween candy. We'll do our Mount Rushmore of Halloween candy because everything in the fun load relates to food because we're fat. We're fat, fat people. It's fun. No, seriously. Is he, I like, is it crazy to think that he's building a Hall of Fame resume even at the age of 25 just based on his World Series performances? Can you do that? Or he does he need a lot more regular season success? Uh, that's a great question. I think he is. He's been uh, he's been amazing. Well, he's been the best pitcher in the history of the World Series. Yeah, that should that should get him in. That's that's a pretty good start, right? <laughs> no, he has been. He's he's been, the, and it's not like he's a bum in the regular season by any means. Um, you know, he's going to have to do the regular season thing for another ten, twelve years. Oh yeah, and and I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I don't think he's going to be a, there's going to be a problem with that. No, but I mean, he's doing stuff. You know, they were they were comparing him to Christy Mathieson last night. And at first blush, you're like, come on, guys, gather yourself. And Dr. E. Ray uh, and I used to do this all the time. Evan and I used to do this all the time, Cal. He had this big encyclopedia. This was before BaseballReference.com. Yes. <clears throat> and he had this huge encyclopedia of baseball. Yeah, you've talked about this. And yeah. You just look up stats. And he and, I would, he, would, he and I would play Madden. And we'd be building a Madden team or whatever, working on the draft or whatever. And as we were doing it, entire seasons were played. Um, we were, by the way, we we're 24-year-old right. men at this point. Um, I use men very loosely there. <laughs> we would be reading statistics. Like we'd be just looking at the 1911 World Series. And you would look at some of Matheson's, Christy Matheson's um, statistics and you'd go, you got to be. This is ridiculous. And he pitched like every eight minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, he threw a 10-inning complete game shutout. It struck out 14. He came – and it has the dates, right? Right. And the box score. He came back on two days rest and threw seven innings of three-hit, one-run ball. And then three days later, he finished off the series with a complete game, you know, seven-hit shutout. And you'd be like, like, he threw like 36 innings in like five days. You know, or Walter Johnson. Walter Johnson was, if you just go look at those numbers on Walter Johnson, you have got to be kidding me. So now you went through those numbers and you saw the years that they put he, up. He's there. Right. Well, no. Series wise, he's there. Yes. But my, my other point, just to get off a little, a little bit off topic. Sure. They, um, did you see any signs of missing any time in there? 
like that maybe he was injured or that's the amazing thing to me. Guys didn't get hurt. Right. There, there was no Tommy John. This is before Tommy John was even born. <laughs> that's right. There wasn't even a Tommy John at that point. <laughs> Forget about the surgery. Yeah. No, the man. The man, the, the man uh, was not even a gleam in his parents' eyes. The human being wasn't around. But but there's no indication that these guys, like, you know, he started 50 games in one season. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he started 49 the next year. Right. He started 52 the next year. And there's no indication, like, one year he started only 20. Right. And you see the innings. Like, right. Like, 400 yeah. innings. Right. 450. 362 innings. Like, what? <laughs> Like I remember one um it was one year that Nolan Ryan I think threw over 300 innings. Oh yeah. In in the 70s. I mean and no, I I thought that was crazy. Yeah, Gooden came close. You know, Gooden's rookie season he threw 276 innings. He was 19 years old. Yeah. Right? Now they just went absolutely crazy because Bum uh um Bumgarner just threw I think 268 with the World Series. Right, he threw like 50 innings in the postseason. He threw 40, yeah, like 48 innings in the postseason. But but right. still, they're going crazy uh, that he threw, you know, 270 innings this year. And Dwight Gooden was 19 years old. They brought him up. He threw 276 innings. 276 in his second year, yeah. Yeah. His first year, he threw like 260, Cal. That's what I'm looking at. I don't see it yet, but yeah. Yeah, I mean... They, they they didn't care. It's amazing. I want to. I'm I'm gonna punch up Walter Johnson real quick. You have to just see some of this. But that but the whole the point is, Madison Bumgarner is putting up numbers like that. Not like that, but unlike anything we see now. He is. He is legitimately. Here's here's. Let me give you let me give you a real good Walter Johnson year. Okay. 26 years old. 25 years old. 36 and 7. 1.14 ERA. Now, this is the dead ball era, but still. 1.14 ERA. 48 games. 36 starts. Incredible. Finishes 10 games. They would have called them saves now. Right. Right. 29 complete games. 11 shutouts. Two official saves. 346 innings pitched. And only 232 hits against. You know how many runs he gave up, Cal, in 346 innings? 56. (laughs) Gave up 44 earned runs. He, He gave up nine home runs, which was a lot. Right. Actually, at that time. He had... 38 walks in 346 innings. 38 walks. His whip, a modern stat, was .78. It's incredible. I mean, and he won the MVP. Yeah. Incredible. And he won the MVP. Did I mention the 243 strikeouts? That was off from the year before where he had 303 in 369 innings. I mean, this is this is the stuff we're talking about. Yeah. And he was on the Washington Senators. They were not a good team. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't 
He was only in the postseason twice in 20 years. He's wow. only, in, only in the World Series. Well, that's all there was, postseason was. Well, right. 19, 1925, at the age of 37, Cal, against the Pirates in the World Series, he goes 2-1 with a 2.08 ERA. Three games started, three complete games, one shutout, 26 innings, six runs, 15 strikeouts, four walks. Um, and he And he lost one of those games somehow. Um, and he was 37. 37. He was two years away from retiring. And he, and he, and he threw 26 innings in three games. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And yeah. your point is well taken. Uh, you know, Bumgarner is doing this. He's doing this. He's not doing that, but he's doing... But he's doing the like. Well, if you, if relative to what's being done right now, that's what this is like. Unbelievable. Yeah. So um, the the World Series was great, and now free agency is upon us. And I took a look at that free agent list today, Bri, and not much. Yeah, leaves you leaves you, leaves you cold. We got a lot of time to talk about the uh, plenty of time. Yeah, to talk about the Mets and baseball and stuff. But it was a it was a great wrap to the season. It was really cool. It was fun. Um, let's, uh, let's do football here for a second here sure. because I, um, how do you want to do this? Well, it was quite a week. Uh, you had John Itzik, uh, with the Jets, um, giving his press conference on Monday. Basically things have unraveled to, you know, we've been doing the show, what, four, four plus years. Almost five. Yeah, almost five. It'll be five in December and things have unraveled to a 2012 Tebow-esque level. So, look, we all know what happened. I want to talk about what happened today with Jet fans and uh, Eric Decker's wife. Um, And the calls for John Itzik's job. So, Eric Decker uh, runs a contest, decides to do a contest on Twitter... You know, tweet tweet to me why you're a diehard Jet fan, and I'll you know the best one will get some signed gear. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Right. And so, and 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 granted, terrible timing for this. Um, you know, considering what's gone on this week with the team and stuff. But yeah, still, it's harmless. It's harm. It's more than harmless. He's reaching out to the fans, gonna give away some signed stuff. Okay. So the responses, predictably, are completely assholic by Jet fans. Just really lousy. And so his wife, Jesse James, Jesse James, is that her name? Yeah. Um, who's a you know famous country singer, right? Of of some renown. Um, tweets something like, "Wow, you know, like I I thought even what she tweeted was relatively innocuous." Uh, but it was like, wow, like, gee whiz, try to do something nice. Right. <clears throat> they, Jet fans, bombard her Twitter account to the point where she needs to quit Twitter. 
this is a this is a professional country music singer with a her own career. Now, because of Jet fans, has to quit Twitter. Right. Because of harassment from Jet fans. Right. How many how many harassing tweets do you think she got when Eric Decker played for Denver? Would you think? Zero. Around, right? Approximately zero. Maybe, maybe one or two here or there if, if you found a wacko, but I'm sure it, they weren't coming in, you know, 20, 20 a minute. I'll tell you this. They were never to the point where she had to quit Twitter. Well, that obviously. Ever. So... Here's what bothers me the most here. And and Jet fans will say, when Eric Decker asks for a trade, they'll say, oh, he's you know thin-skinned, can't play in New York. Because, you know, his wife should have to put up with this crap. Next offseason, when Itzik's been fired and run out of town on a rail, literally on a rail, I believe they're going to run him out of town on a rail. Um, and when Rex somehow survives his third GM, fourth offensive coordinator, third young quarterback, and seventh, inexplicably, seventh input into a draft. And they go to recruit a free agent to play here. You don't think these guys talk? You don't think their wives talk? And some guy, uh, you know, who's a buddy, like, oh, I don't know. Eh, let's just throw out a name. How about Demarius Thomas? Who's a free agent in the offseason. And the Jets have $32 million in cap room and are one of two teams that can sign him and offer him the most money. And he says to Eric Decker, hey, how is it to play there? My wife had to quit Twitter. think Demarius Thomas is going to come here? Well, was that yesterday or was that today that this all happened? Today. This was today. That okay. I saw, yeah. Right. Um, on the same day, you've got some guy who but, decides... But wait, there's more. Right. That's not all that happened today. We had a big day in, in Jet Nation. Yeah. There's no such thing as Jet Nation. That's right. We were told that. That's right. Right. It's the Red Sox Nation. That's it. And nothing else exists. Um, somebody decides they're going to create a website. Firejohnidzik.com. Haha, it's funny. Yeah, we're going to, you know, let's create a little website because we don't like the GM. But if you go to the website, you'll see that they're looking for donations. They're looking for people to submit money to them so they can put up a billboard in the Meadowlands area that says fire John Idzik so that you could big plan so that you could buy a buy a t-shirt that says fire John Idzik on it they're looking for money to make this happen they think that they can affect the owner of a professional football team's thinking by making a website 
They're like they're gonna get this man fired. And for what? He's been here a year and a half. He's in he's in the middle of rebuilding the entire team. And like you said, just because he came out and didn't eloquently speak at a press conference and fire the coach on the spot, he deserves to be fired. Firejohnidzik.com. Yeah. I um and it's the media has caught hold of it now and it it really is the the they smell blood in the water and I really do think the media is going to get him fired. I really do. Um and and let's let's try Cal for a second to look at it from a realistic standpoint and a rational standpoint and say this, uh, you know, he may very well, John Itzik may very well be in over his head, media-wise. He might be. Uh, I said this the other day, and I, I hold to it. When he took over this team, they were a complete media circus. Complete. They were a laughingstock media-wise. There were new leaks and stories every day about dysfunction. He had a head coach who, you know still was a big talker and would still talk a big game and still they they had a, an adverse relationship with the biggest sports talk radio uh, uh you know station in town they still do he took over a horrible media situation and he closed the doors that's it closed up the ranks stopped giving out leaks stopped doing interviews made himself inaccessible uh, or unaccessible. Um, one of those. Inaccessible. He, thank you. He may have gone too far uh, in certain ways. Although he has done interviews on with Boomer and Carton, he did an interview on with Francesa when he first took over the team. Uh, but they usually primarily work with ESPN Radio. The bottom line is he didn't play ball like Mike Tannenbaum did with the media. He cut out the leaks. He stopped leaking stories. He completely closed ranks. And they're turning on him. They're completely... They see their opportunity to turn on him. The team is bad. And they have completely turned on him. Because he has made their job difficult. Because they actually have to work for a living. Many of the beat reporters, a lot of the local media in terms of uh, editorial reporters... The, the the radio, you know, Mike Francesa with his eight-minute tirade or whatever about the Jets and stuff after its express conference, they've turned on him, Bri. They see an opportunity to get this guy who makes their job difficult out of town. And they hope for the next guy. And you know what? They sure do want to keep Rex Ryan here, don't they? Yeah, but why? Because he makes their job easy. Because he makes their job easy. I watch every press conference, Brian. You know that. I have watched every press conference since they've been streaming them online. It's like three years plus. I watch every press conference. The questions they ask Rex Ryan, they would never ask another coach, ever. The way they phrase the questions, I've said it a million times. It's true. The last thing... 
90% of that beat wants is for Rex Ryan to be fired. The last thing. So here's where you are with this team. They're 1-7. and seven. All the focus is off the field. It's the idiocy of the front office and the idiocy of the fan base. Because we say it all the time. I'm not embarrassed to be a fan of the Jets. I'm not. I refuse to be. I was at the game on Sunday. I'm not. I'm sorry. Should I be? Because they're one in seven. I should be embarrassed to be a Jet fan? No, I'm not. I'm embarrassed by the play calling. (laughs) I'm embarrassed by trying to run a trick play on that kickoff. That's embarrassing. But I'm not embarrassed to be a Jet fan. And today, when they do stuff like they did with Eric Decker's wife, inadvertently making it more difficult to sign free agents, idiots. I'm sorry, I don't mean to name call, but you do affect that. Somebody ask, go go ask Cliff Lee why he's never been a Yankee. You think you have no effect on that? You think these athletes just take the most money and go to whatever town pays them the most? They don't. They're making a gazillion dollars. They're going to go where their family feels comfortable. They're going to go where there's a good fan base. All things being equal. Demarius Thomas has a choice between signing with the Jets, probably for more money, and going back to Denver. Where do you think he's going? It's not even a question. Let's, uh, I'll give you a better one. You ready? He's got a choice to go to the Kansas City Chiefs or the Jets, and the Jets are offering $5 million more a year or $4 million more on the, you know, $10 million more on the contract. Jets are offering five years and 85 or something. Chiefs are offering five and 75 or 78. And he goes and talks to Eric Decker, and Eric Decker's like, dude, they ran my wife off Twitter. I mean, I'd love for you to come here, man, but I'll be honest with you. It's rough. It is rough if you don't play well here. Thanks. I'll go to Kansas City. Thank you. This website, firejohnnydick.com, <laughs> went up today, right? Sure. Okay. They have 34 people have donated money. That should get it done. Uh They've raised $850 in one day. In one day. Their goal is $10,000 so that they can put this billboard up that says fire John Idzik. We can't get people to donate for breast cancer. No, but 34 people... We we get $850 in a day to to put a billboard up to fire a general manager of a football team. Three people have donated $100 each. These are these are probably the same three people that complain about the price of PSLs. Hundred dollars. This is the, that they that they sent to this website, with the sole purpose of putting a billboard up to try to fire the general manager. Something I'm fascinated by, Bry, and I talked to our buddy Joe Caparoso about this a little bit from Turn on the Jets, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. So let's do so now. Mike Tannenbaum takes over the team, goes one and eight, starts one and eight in his second year. By the way, one and eight, no calls to fire him. 
Mm-hmm. You know why? Because he played ball, played ball with the media, and he was Parcells' guy. Mike Tannenbaum, an admitted cap guy with zero scouting experience, never put on a, sh- a set of shoulder pads ever in his life. All right, John Itzik played football at Dartmouth. His father was the offensive coordinator of the Jets. He was the head of player personnel in Tampa Bay and the assistant general manager of a football team. In on seven drafts. You think you think Bill Parcells let Mike Tannenbaum in on a draft? You think he was sitting in the war room with Bill Parcells? Or did they say, we're drafting this guy, how much is it going to cost us? So, anyway. Mike Tannenbaum does the draft and does, what, four drafts with Eric Mangini? Three or four, right? Uh, Three. And they get a couple Pro Bowl players out of that. They get to Brickishaw Ferguson, Mangold, Revis, um, Jericho Cotri. Some really good picks in there, right? And we, if you read Collision Low Crossers, which we did, you see how Mike Tannenbaum ran a draft. He has the coaches in everything. The head coach is there making the recommendations. Rex Ryan, there. Mike Pettin drafted Mo Wilkerson. That was Mike Pettin's guy. Okay, Mike Tannenbaum wouldn't know a three technique if it bit him in the ass. That's Unless it was on a spreadsheet. He probably knows what a three technique is. I'm just I'm I'm being overly facetious. He's a complete cap guy. He always was. He relied very heavily on his coaching staffs and his scouting departments. Right? When ter- when Terry Bradway was the general manager, Mike Tannenbaum was referred to as the capologist. Not assistant general manager. No. Not involved in player personnel. Nope. He was called the capologist. We brought this bean counter in. That's right. To help manage our salary cap. That was his job. Correct. And then he became the general manager. Never scouted a day in his life. Never. So they're running the draft. He's relying very heavily on Eric Mangini. It's well documented. He's relying very heavily on Eric Mangini. And look, this is this is not even to say that Tannenbaum was a horrible general manager. Not my point. That's not that's not the point of this. No, my point is this, Bry. They get very usable and good players and a good foundation out of those drafts. Mangini has a bad year with Brett Favre because he doesn't admit that he's injured. He gets fired. Now I'm not saying suggesting Mangini was a great coach. He wasn't, but he was clearly a very good talent evaluator. Rex Ryan comes in and goes to two straight AFC Championship games with Eric Mangini's players, including a Hall of Fame cornerback that he didn't draft. Rex Ryan had, what, five drafts with Mangini? I mean, with uh, Tannenbaum? Four or five drafts, right? 09, 10, 11, 12. Five. Right. There are three players left on the team from those drafts. Three. And you know, by the way, who is who Tannenbaum, who's a capologist, leaned very heavily on in those drafts? Who got to make picks? Got to make picks. He's not just leaning heavily on them during the draft. He got to make picks. He picked guys. 
Pick Scotty McKnight. Pick Scotty McKnight as a favorite of Sanchez. Pick John Connor because he liked him. He, he liked his name. He could make a Terminator reference. Three guys are left from five drafts, Brian. Five drafts. Okay? So let's just say that Itzik, who's failed so miserably on these first two drafts, by the way, which is ridiculous to say that these drafts are failures. But okay, he's failed. let's just say he's failed on these two drafts. Well, he's a capologist, isn't he? So who do you think he's leaning very heavily on? Who's the common denominator in that room in seven drafts or six drafts? Who's the common guy? One guy. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan. And if you don't believe that Rex Ryan has a huge hand in who they're drafting, in the decision on who to draft, go read Collision Low Crosses. Because he does. So that's my point. So John Itzik is terrible at the draft. Well, so's Rex. He has not developed one all-pro player. Wilkerson, right? Wilkerson made the Pro Bowl yet? Was he an alternate last year or something? He might have been. Richardson, too soon. It's uh, it's Ixx draft. That's Ixx draft. Ixx doesn't know what he's doing. doesn't count. Right. It only counts for Rex with Wilkerson. Three players are left, Cal, from five drafts. This is the team that he was asked to rebuild this guy. I mean, he made all the right points. He just didn't make them well. He made the right point about spending just to spend is stupid. Are we going to beat the Broncos this year because I signed Dominique Rogers-Cromarty to a five-year, $35 million deal with $15 million guaranteed? Do you want to be paying him $7.5 million next year? Was that going to put us over the top with a second-year quarterback that we're unsure about? Tell me how signing James Jones to a four-year, $18 million deal is a good idea. It's not. They're not ready to win. They weren't ready to win this year. And the truth of the matter is if they had gotten any remotely competent coaching right now, Brian, they would probably be 3-5 and five or 4-4. Four and four. Right. John John Idzik is not the reason why they can't get a stop on third down. John Idzik's not the reason why they're having trouble communicating to the quarterback from the sideline. Right? Nope. John Idzik's not the reason why they're taking stupid penalties when they appear to have gotten a stop on third down, but there was a penalty. There were too many men on the field. I mean, again, is is he calling that fake kickoff was signing Dominique Rogers Cromarty going to make Sheldon Richardson not call a timeout on an unruly sideline I mean just be realistic about what the guy is trying to rebuild it's amazing it, we talk about this and it amazes me that the call is to fire John Idzik not, not right. fire the one in seven head coach. You don't hear, you don't see that anywhere. It's amazing. Yep. I tell you where you do see it: Dom Cosentino, 
right? We had on the show, wrote a great article even in the wake of the Itzik press conference saying Rex shouldn't slide. He shouldn't slide. There's no reason, as Joe Cap has said over and over again, he should get a third general manager, third quarterback to develop, fourth offensive coordinator, and third and seventh draft. Seventh. Who has he developed, Cal? Who has he developed? Nobody. Not only has he not developed anybody, he has now failed two quarterbacks. Yep. The most important position on the team, he's failed both of them. And and the last thing on this, and then I'm done with the Jets, because the fan base is, is disgusts me right now. They do. They really do. You're embarrassing. This is this is what I say when I this is what I mean when I say there's a reason the rest of the league like there's enough to laugh at on their own. The rest of the NFL is laughing at Jet fans, not just the Jets. They're laughing at how unbelievably volatile they are, how fair weather, how they turn on their own. They're laughing at us. So, look, I am I'm starting to think, Brian, he's going to get fired. I really am. And I'm not, it's not like I'm going to shed a tear for John Itzik. I'm not. I, I come off as a sort of Itzik apologist. Uh, I guess I'm a general manager apologist in, in general. But only because I grade him as incomplete right now. I think he's in year two of a massive gut renovation of this team. But there may be signs that he's in over his head. I, I will f- freely admit that. Which, which would not surprise you if he does get fired and which... It's a little understandable if it happened. Like, like if he, yes, I like think if, he, he, if they if they fired him this year, there's no outrage. Outrage! It's going to be dancing in the streets. No, with you, the idzik apologist. Well, here's the here's the thing, and I said this about Rex, and this is the way I feel about Itzik. If you're firing him, who are you doing it for? Well, that's that's the important piece of it. Is there the Parcellsian guy out there that's going to take over the organization like Parcells did in '97 after the Cotite years and put it put it on his back and ride it back to to credibility? That guy doesn't exist. So for me, I'd rather see this guy try to at least finish his plan. I see his plan. Is it painful this year? Yes, it is. I don't expect it to be painful next year. I don't. I, I expect him to be in year three, and yeah, he may have a first-time head coach, but he's going to have his head coach, and he's going to have $30 million plus in cap room, and he's made this roster better. This roster is better than it was last year. You can't tell me having Eric Decker playing 55 snaps is not better than having Marty Gilliard or Clyde Gates playing 55 snaps. You can't tell me that. Sorry. I don't care who the quarterback is. You're right. But if he is fired, it's not going to be because of his plan. It's going to be because he's in over his head media-wise to me. And Woody Johnson is going to hear the hear that. He's going to see 
you know, out of 75,000 people, he's going to see 60,000 Steeler fans in two weeks. And he's going to be like, well, I got I can't. I can't. It's Woody Johnson's bottom line. He's a bottom line owner. Asses in the seats. That's what it's about. Especially with those PSLs. You know, I loved... Just one aside, I love what Barnwell wrote a couple of weeks ago after the Chargers thing where he said, you know, yes, John Itzik does have a plan. Is it going to work? I'm not sure, but he does definitely have a plan. And the first thing he did – and it sort of has gotten glossed over. The first thing he did was dismiss and dispel this notion that uh, the fans deserve more because of what they're paying. Right. He's like it has nothing – it has absolutely nothing to do with the team's salary. Nothing. You are you would be charged that if he spent all his money or none of his money. You're charged that because you live in New York, right? It's and because the the, and because the owner thinks he can get that kind of money for those tickets. It has it's not like baseball, you know, where like the spending in the stadium is directly proportionate to what they're going to spend on the team. He he doesn't need the revenue stream to pay the salary. And Barnwell dis- dispelled this notion like immediately. Like y- you do realize that y- you would be paying the same. You know, they don't realize it though. No, you'd be paying the same amount regardless of what he spends. So, but anyway, I don't think he's going to get fired. I do. I'm starting to think he is. I just said I, that like Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know why I did. <laughs> I'm starting to think he is. I think he's gone. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to get fired. I think. I think Woody is going to trust the plan. I think Rex Ryan's going to get fired for sure. Well, look. If if I, I'm starting to doubt that he will, I don't know what to think anymore, Brian, with this team. I really don't. Well, that and that's how I feel. I will. I wouldn't be surprised by anything that that happens. They both go. They both stay. One goes. One stays. Nothing would surprise me. But what I think is going to happen is they're going to start over with a new coach and a new quarterback next year. And give Itzik a chance to pick his own coach once. And then have that coach pick his own quarterback. I don't think he's even going to get... I, Brian, I have this weird feeling that he's not even going to get that far. Itzik isn't? Yeah. yeah. Because I think... I'm starting to think Woody Johnson may fire him, fire Rex, and just completely start over for fear of... Look, what if Itzik does suck and he brings in a coach and now I'm stuck with this coach for four years? Well, he wouldn't be stuck with the coach. He would just fire the coach. Right, but I'm saying, and then i got to start over again. And then he's got to start over again. Right. Watch this. Watch them. Watch them. (laughs) One other football thing. I said this when they started one and two. And I drew the comparison to 1998 with Vinny Testaverde and Glenn Foley. Mm-hmm. I said you had a you know mistake-prone, turnover quarterback who was the backup at the end of his career, and Glenn Foley, the rookie, the young player, and Parcells knew when to pull the plug. And he never let the season get out of hand. He brought in Testaverde. They went 12-4, and four, et cetera, et cetera. And I saw similarities with this season, and couldn't you make the argument that Rex Ryan should have went to Vic, went, no, gone to Vic after the San Diego game, permanently. Yes. 
Now they when they lost the San Diego game they were what one and four. They were one and, and three. No, four. they had lost. Yeah, they lost to Green Bay, Chicago, and Detroit. Right? And then San Diego, one and four. So one and four. Then they lost to Denver. That was the time to go to Vic. Right. When they were one and four. Right, because that was the game that we're now. That was the San Diego game, which was a disaster. And the miss meeting. Meeting, and then they were coming home to play Denver, yep. where the crowd was ready to just eat them up. Right. That was the game to go to Vic. Right. I think and, and if you're gonna time. and and if you're, right, if you're gonna salvage the season, this is when you go to Vic. Right. So I brought that up to somebody, a big Jet fan friend of mine, and he goes, "Well, he wasn't allowed. Itzik is forcing him to play Geno." I mean. It's just illogical. If John Itzik is forcing Rex Ryan to play Geno Smith over Michael Vick, don't you think Rex Ryan would have let that slip? Of I Again, I stress, I watch every press conference. Of course he would have. Of course he would have. And B, Bri, the question I've asked you a million times, if that was the case, why did John Itzik spend $4 million on Michael Vick? If he wanted Geno Smith to play this whole season, why even bring Vick in? Just let Matt Sims be the backup. There were eight other guys he could have signed that didn't have the pedigree and resume of Michael Vick. Why did he do it? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Do do I think that John Itzik? I think that John Itzik wanted Geno Smith to start the season. Absolutely. I think he wanted him to start the season. I think he wanted him to be the starter. I never bought the competition thing. That's fine. I didn't have a problem with them saying it's a competition. Who cares? Who cares? He's lying. Well, of course he is. They do. Do you lie to your kids about Santa Claus? I lie to my kids about Halloween costumes. Who cares? <laughs> what do you what do you, what do you want him to kiss him kiss you while he's lying to you? What, what's the problem? Do you know that Geno Smith is going to be the starter? Eh, then sleep easy, friend. But once the season started to unravel, if you're telling me that that's not Rex Ryan's decision, or Rex Ryan couldn't go to to John Itzik and say, "I'm I'm starting Vic this week." Where are Rex Ryan's balls? Please. Well, I think they were cut off a long time ago. We saw Rex Ryan do this with Mark Sanchez, too. What, are you going to tell me Tannenbaum forced Mark Sanchez down his throat, too? I clearly know. I mean, anyway. What do you think happens with Vic at quarterback? Uh, I think he gets hurt. (laughs) And Geno Smith will be... The quarterback within within probably before the bye. So you don't think he lasts these two weeks? Uh, is it two? Is yeah. It this week and next week. Yep. They have Kansas City and then home to uh, the Steelers, which will be like a home game for the Steelers. Right. The, the Steelers, who all of a sudden now are dropping forty points on everybody. That's right. This um, burger's throwing for seven touchdowns. Right. I think uh, I maybe he, maybe he survives these two games. I don't think they win either of the two games. Okay. Um, I don't think he plays terribly, but he plays like he's Vic. 
He's going to give the ball up. Yeah. He's going to make a couple of good plays. Yep. He's going to dazzle everybody with his legs. Like a rocket. <laughs> I think these... I and think, he's going to get hurt. Yeah, I think they're going to get destroyed these next two games. I really do. I See, I, 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 I feel a competitive game on Sunday for some reason. Maybe. I was there Sunday, Cal. That was a competitive game, too, at the half, even with the turnovers. And at some point, that team just quits. Right. Well, and Sunday, competitive game because Buffalo stinks. Yeah, I know. You can't – I don't care what their record is. They stink as a football team because a better team would have put the Jets away in the first half. You can't tell me that. Well, you can. You can tell me anything. You've used that a lot tonight that I can't tell you anything. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I feel hamstrung with what I want to say. <laughs> um, you can tell me anything. I'll stop saying it. It's a terrible crutch. Here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I can't and, tell and, you what you're thinking. In watching that game on Sunday and being there, The Vikings, with a rookie quarterback who turned the ball over five times, four or five times, and uh, on the road against the Bills, lost on the last play of the game, should have won the game. They have some guy named Matt Asiata, something, playing running back. It's a fantasy pickup. Their best receiver is Corderell Patterson, second-year guy. All all this, and, and a rookie in Teddy Bridgewater. Granted, they have great corners. That's what I was told by people. Minnesota that, does. Yeah, that makes all the difference, Cal. You just if you have great corners, that's all you need. Hey, listen, all Rex Ryan needs is you ready? Great corners, a top-notch defensive line, a veteran quarterback who doesn't make mistakes, an offensive line that's elite, a fourteen-hundred-yard back, and really good deep receiver core. And he's going to win. He's a winning coach. That's all he needs, right? That's all he needs. That's nothing. That's, this, somebody legitimately said that to me. Because he can coach. He just has to have the players. N- not just the players. All of those players. <laughs> That's the only way he can win. Uh, boy. But you can't tell me that Vikings team was so far more talented. I can tell you that. I I'm just not. Won't. Nope. I just won't. All right, I should stop. I'm getting yes. I'm getting frustrated. Why? Because I keep saying I can't tell you. You can't tell me. And I need to stop doing that. What do you what do you think happens, Brian? Seriously, do you think he gets fired? You don't think he gets fired? Who? John Itzik. Okay, but, you, but you do think that Rex gets fired? Yes, I do. Do you, really quick, do you have a uh, a coach you like? I don't. That okay. I mean, obviously, like we would all love Cower, right? Is but that Ka- coming? Right. Certainly not coming with John Itzik as the GM. Well, no, if, if, no I would, I, it would be Cower's entire thing if he came. I don't see that happening. Um... Mike Smith is no good, right? Ugh, no. Because I think he's going to shake free. Right. At some point. Uh, I, I don't know. 
I could see Rex going there. You know what I could see? Oh, Rex going to, uh, Atlanta. to Atlanta? Yeah. I could see Woody Johnson going out and hiring Brian Kelly. Be an interesting hire. Right? Couldn't you see that? Like, he's, he's he wants to make a splash. If he's going to get rid of Rex, maybe bring a splash in. With Itzik still there. Right. I, I, all I know is whoever you bring in, Make sure he's a strong player evaluator and personnel evaluator. Yeah, because like you like you've been saying all night, they've got the the head coach has a ton of influence in that room on draft day. Yep, and this head coach is terrible at player and self evaluation. He said he told us today that the Brickishaw Ferguson's having one of his best seasons. He's just not Rex. We watch the games. We get film. People can sit there with the all twenty two and break it down. He's getting beat like a drum. People well, don't have to sit there with the all twenty two, Steve. You just have to watch the broadcast. <laughs> well, he's had a you know sort of a revolving door at uh, at guard around him. Okay, all the more reason that if he was having one of his best years ever, he would be playing great and doing well in spite of that. He can't self evaluate, dude. Kyle Wilson's still on the team. Come on, getting significant playing time, and I know because people are hurt, but still. But not not outside, Cal. Can't play him outside. Yeah. Uh, I have good news. What's that? Very good friend of mine uh, at work. Well, they're all my friends. This one is particularly good. No, he's just a friend of mine at work. Oh, okay. Um, is uh, from Oregon, and is a huge Ducks fan. And uh, just today, he was put on the scouting detail. We had a long talk about Mac, uh, Marcus Mariota today. Wait, long your talk. friend your friend was just put on the scouting detail today? From me from me. Oh, from you. Oh you from, told from RTU. Yo, oh, oh we, we we've uh He's a fan of the program. Oh, we we've given him a job then. Yep. Okay. Because yeah, you were watching, you sent me tape last night. We were watching I, did, I, did. I was watching footage of Mariota uh Mariotta while I was watching the World Series. I've begun. My my studies have begun. Yeah, I think uh I think this is a dangerous slope that you're sliding down. You know the first thing you told me? What? We talked about the comparables to Kaepernick and stuff. He's like, that's actually a pretty good one. This guy, huge Ducks fan, watches every game, um, you know, all the time, goes when he's home and stuff. He's, you know, loves them. Loves, 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 loves. That's his favorite team. Uh-huh. In sports. Um, so he had a great scouting report on him. And then, you know, the, uh, like I said, the comparables to uh, to Kaepernick and stuff, and and uh, you know his his actual football speed as opposed to his foot speed, um, all good stuff. You know, throwing on the run, throwing from awkward positions, um, uh, escapability, all the great stuff. And he goes, he goes, he fumbles a lot. Oh, and I said, well, we we've got one of those things. <laughs> we've had some experience. So I said, he's a perfect Jet quarterback. It's exactly what we need. It's a guy who doesn't know. And I said, well, does he have small hands? He's like, don't think he has small hands. Got great size. Um, Just a little careless with the football when he runs. And I said, when he runs or in the pocket? He said, not as much in the pocket. He said, it's a little more when he runs. I said, well, has he improved that? (laughs) He said, he's a little better. All right, well. 
So we uh, he's officially being scouted. By RTU. Correct. All right, let's wrap up the uh, let's wrap up this portion and get to the fun load. What do you think? You yeah, feel please. good? You you're good with the sports? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Enough right. with the sports. Giants have a game this week. Giants are in the gauntlet, Cal. They're in the gauntlet. Tough game this week against the Colts. Against the Colts. And, and the great Andrew Luck. They're, wow. Yeah, you need to say the great from now on, right? Well, he is a great. He's one of the greats already. That's the rules, right. How many Andrew playoff Luck. games has he won? Don't matter. Oh, my bad. Yeah, now he's he's. Uh, I think he's shown enough in his uh, 25 regular season games, or whatever it is. One of the greats. Maybe one of the best of all time. Uh, let's not go crazy. Sorry, my bad. But he's on his way. On the fast track, as they say. All right. This is the... Uh, we're not going to do final unloads, though. Should we do final sports unloads? We could. Okay, Cal, final sports on that one? I yes, I one. do. I do. Um, what a what a wonderful baseball playoff season. It kind of... I was down on baseball at the end of September, and I put on the playoffs, and, and it kind of reminded me what a great game it is. So thank you, Major League Baseball, and thank you, Kansas City Royals, for your run, renewing my faith in baseball. It was fun. Nice. And my final unload is, uh, so Joe Madden Shakespeare from the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, eight minutes later, the chief operating officer of the New York Mets, Jeff Wilpon, when asked, has this to say, there won't be a change in manager. Hey, Cal, we have Terry Collins, so... I wrote a hit play and directed it. I'm not sweating it either. We couldn't make a call. Just a cur- just a courtesy call. Just pick up the white courtesy phone. That's all you needed to do. Good luck to Joe Madden on the 2015 NL champion Chicago Cubs. Go to www.rtusports.com to download this podcast. We're on iTunes. Uh, we're on Stitcher. Um, thank you for all the support. Go check out Dummy on YouTube.com. It's easy, Cal. It's easy. Anybody uh, can do it. Any... So simple. What's the matter with you? And uh, have a great Halloween, everybody. Okay. And.